You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. As we continue on with the story of Ruth, I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and open them up to uh, Ruth chapter 2. Last week, uh, the message focused on Naomi and the hardships and the adversities that she had suffered. These included the loss of her husband, the loss of her two sons, and all of this was taking place in the midst of a famine. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Naomi has been referred to as the female Job of the Bible because of the amount of adversity and hardship that she suffered. But what I love about Naomi's story, about the entire story of Ruth, is that God's protection, God's grace, and God's providence can be seen throughout the entire course of the story. Uh, last weekend, you also heard about, uh, you read about Naomi and her relationship with her two daughter and daughters-in-law, um, uh, particularly that relationship with Ruth. Well, today, uh, we're going to be introduced into what I would consider the third primary, if not the primary character of the story, and of course, that is Boaz. Boaz can be considered as the the hero of the story. He was a wealthy Bethlehem businessman and landowner, but most importantly, through Boaz, Jesus Christ is seen in every word, every line, and every paragraph uh, of the entire story. Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ. And I just want to stop here and say, um, you know, oftentimes I think that we can read Uh, particularly the Old Testament, and just see it as a collection of stories without connection. And nothing could be further than the truth. Uh, The entire Bible from beginning to end is very thematic. Uh, It's been said that there's a scarlet thread woven all the way through from the very beginning. We see it in Genesis. We see it all the way to Revelation. And that scarlet thread represents the blood of Jesus. It represents what Jesus uh, has done for us. You might have heard it said, but the Old Testament concealed is the New Testament revealed. So the opposite would be true. The New Testament revealed is the Old Testament concealed. It's always pointing to Jesus. So what Boaz does for Ruth is what Jesus Christ has willingly done for us. Uh, While the story of Ruth is a a real story with real people facing real problems, it's also a beautiful picture of what was to come through Jesus Christ. Again, it's the scarlet thread that's woven through the scripture. The story of Ruth is a revelation of God's answer to humanity's greatest need. Um, our greatest need, as well as our daily challenges, the issues, the adversities, the hardships that we face. And I want to unpack this this morning. But before I do, I want us to just uh, watch briefly the video screens uh, for just a great... As I've traveled life's road, one thing is clear. I can't do this on my own. I need help. I've tried to find the answers on my own and been left with more questions. I've pursued wealth and fun and success, but they've all left me unsatisfied. The truth is, I've done so many things I'm not proud of. Sometimes I'm haunted by regret. 
I wish I could believe that the road ahead can be better than the road I've traveled. What lies beyond the bend? Can God take these faults and failures and turn them into something good? Can God take our faults and failures and turn them into something good? What an incredibly great question for us to consider. Um, I think it's probably a question that we've all asked in our lives at some time or the other based on circumstances that we find ourselves in. Uh, really, uh, Ruth's story is our story, and it's our story because of our natural propensity towards faults and failures and sins. And because of our faults and our failures and sins, we found that we were in trouble. Sin had separated us from God and we were left without hope. And we needed someone to step into our crisis, the crisis of humanity, the sin problem. We needed someone to step into our problem and rescue us. So the answer to the question can God take our faults and failures and turn them into something good? The answer is yes, and we know that, that it's possible only through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our place of redemption. Now, for all of us in this room, we've, we've been at this a little while. We've been in our spiritual journey. I think most of us can say for a little while. So when I talk about redemption, when we talk about redemption, we think of it in a spiritual sense. Um, but when I think about this place of redemption, honestly, in a natural, non-spiritual sense, if you'll go with me on this for a few minutes, it causes me to have some very fond childhood memories. Um, in our kitchen, in the little house that I grew up in, I grew up in Gaffney, South Carolina, so what, an hour and 15 minutes from here, uh, 732 Union Street, a little five-room house, two bedrooms, four boys, mom and dad, all in this little house, one bathroom. Um, but in our kitchen, there was a cabinet drawer that had some really special content. And if you were a nosy visitor to our home and you were to go into the kitchen and you would pull that drawer open, you would find that that drawer would be filled with trading stamps. Does anybody in the room remember trading stamps? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, for those who don't, let me, let me tell you about trading stamps. Trading stamps were small, gummed paper stamps given to merchants by, um, uh, given to, to customers by merchants as a uh, kind of a loyalty reward program for shopping uh, at their store. At face value, they were worth very, very little. But if you took a, a drawer full, a collection of trading stamps and placed them in booklets, suddenly they took on uh, uh, some, some value. Um, uh, what you would do is you would take these stamps, again, you would place them in booklets, uh, and you would take them to a place of redemption. It was the redemption center. And typically, before you would go to the redemption center, there was an idea catalog. And it was filled with pictures. It could have everything in it from a teapot to a boat or a house. And if you collected enough stamps... You could go and redeem it for that boat or that house. But, but typically before you would go to their place of redemption or the redemption center, you would spend some time looking through the idea catalog so that when you went to the place of redemption, you would know exactly what you were going to redeem the stamps for. 
Um, our stamps in our home came from the grocery store. So the kind of stamps that we had would typically depend on where we were shopping. Um, our particular uh, drawer was filled with S&H green stamps. Does anybody remember S&H green stamps? Yeah. Uh, if you shopped maybe at another place, your drawer might have been filled with uh, gold stamps, top value gold stamps. But it was, this, it was the same thing. So in our home, the task of uh, gathering those stamps from the drawer and placing them in the booklet. And listen, placing them in the booklet meant that you had, these were, these were stamps with glue. When I say gummed, they were glue on the back. And, and you licked them, unless you were smart enough to do a sponge, and somehow nobody told me about that till much later. You licked those stamps and you put them in the books. When you were looking through the idea catalog, you could tell how many books of stamps you would need for the item that you wanted to redeem for. So you would, you would collect and you would, you would put them in the booklets and, and, and you would tally up how many you had and then you would figure out how many more you need. Well, that was left up to me. And in exchange, um, when we went to the place of redemption or the redemption center, I usually got to choose at least one of the items that we would redeem uh, the, the stamps for. Um, now listen to this. The stamps were worthless as long as they stayed in the drawer. They weren't worth anything if you left them in the drawer. The stamps uh, were worthless if you pulled them from the drawer, put them in the book, but just left them in the book. The stamps did not take on value until you pulled them from the drawer, you placed them in the booklet, and then you went to the place of redemption so that you could redeem those stamps. Today, we're going to see that uh, for Ruth, Boaz was her place of redemption. And for us, we're going to see that through Ruth's willingness to go to Boaz as her place of redemption, and because of Boaz's willingness to be a place of redemption for her, we see again in Scripture that Jesus is our Redeemer. He's revealed to us as our Redeemer. And so uh, I want us to uh, take a, a, a look into the second part of the story. Um, and so I want to read to you from Ruth chapter 2. Um, I'm going to begin, uh, I'm just going to read three verses to you, and then I'm going to read several verses from another chapter. So in Ruth chapter 2, I want to read verses 1 through 3 to you. Uh, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, uh, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now I'm going to say spoiler alert because I'm going to jump all the way to the end and I want to read to you from verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So if you'll look there, it says, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Mahon, 
And I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are my witnesses. So what's happened? We read in chapter 2, the first three verses, we're introduced immediately to Boaz And then you go all the way midway to chapter 4 and you find that they're married. So what's the story in the middle? And I want to take just a few minutes. I'm not going to give you every detail of the story because hopefully you've been reading uh, the story of Ruth all along. But I want to just give you a flyover to fill in some of the details of what's happened in the middle to get them from the place where Boaz is entering the picture to the place that suddenly they're married. Um, As I said earlier, immediately in chapter 2, in verse 1, we're made aware of Boaz, who just happens to be part of Elimelech's family. Remember Elimelech? He was the the deceased husband uh, of Naomi. Now, um, Ruth and Naomi, now that they're uh, settling in Bethlehem, are very aware that they need to be able to put food on the table. They've got to eat. So Ruth suggests... Uh, Why don't I go out into one of the fields and just begin to um, uh, uh, pick up the leftovers? And so Naomi agrees and Ruth goes out into a field and she begins to glean. And that field just happens to belong to none other than Boaz. And the glean simply meant to go behind the reapers and pick up the grain that was was left over. Uh, She's there in the field. Uh, 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 gleaning what's, what's left over and uh, Boaz shows up. He comes to inspect his field, I suppose. And uh, he greets his foreman. He greets his workers. And as he does, as he's talking to them, he catches a glimpse out in the field of this lovely young woman. And he asks his foreman, who is that young woman? And the foreman explains, well, that's uh, the daughter-in-law uh, of, of, of Naomi. Remember, she came back from Moab and she's home now in, in Bethlehem. And this young woman, her name is Ruth, she came early this morning and asked if she could glean in the field. And she has been gleaning and she's been working hard all day. Well, Boaz was very aware of this story. He goes over and he introduces himself to Ruth. And he says, um, I'm glad you're here. This is my paraphrase. I'm glad you're here. This is a safe place for you. Why don't you continue to come to this field uh, uh, and, and harvest or glean throughout the harvest because I can guarantee that you're safe. They, they have some conversation. He actually says, well, why don't you have lunch with me? And so they sit down and they have lunch. He shares lunch with her. Um, they talk a little bit and then she goes back to work and she gleans for the rest of the day uh, in the field. Um, At the end of the day, uh, she's getting ready to go home and Boaz actually loads her up with a great amount of grain and sends her home with some of the leftover lunch. When she gets home, um, uh, Naomi recognizes, wow, this is a lot of grain that you have uh, and and this food you brought me. This is pretty, pretty tasty. Whose field were you gleaning in today? 
And so Ruth tells her all about Boaz. Well, she knows who Boaz is. And so she very excitedly with great gratitude begins to declare how great and how kind God is as she explains to Ruth that Boaz is one of our relatives. In fact, he's what is known as a kinsman or a guardian redeemer. And this is very significant, and here's why. Uh, There was a law in Israel known as the law of the kinsman redeemer. And that law said that if a man died and he had no children and he was in danger of uh, losing his estate, that a close relative, uh, the closest relative, had the right to come and buy that property so that the family name could continue. But there was one catch. If the kinsman redeemer, if the close relative bought the field, he also acquired the wife of the man who had died. And uh, Naomi, recognizing that this was the case, she starts encouraging Ruth. Uh, Young lady, I'm going to tell you where you're going to go every day. You're going to keep on going out into Boaz's field because he is our kinsman redeemer. And, And Naomi knew what she was doing. She said, you go and you work with the women in this field. You follow along behind them. Uh, you, you work hard. Naomi knew, okay, there's, there's something to this. Something's up. You know, God's at work. Here's the solution to, to our problem. So, uh, we find that in, in, in uh, chapter 3, uh, Naomi, after a while, encourages Ruth to, to go to, pre- to, to prepare herself and go and present herself to, to Boaz uh, as a willing to accept a marriage proposal. So she does. She gets uh, her perfume on. She does her hair. It's again my paraphrase. She, she gets the right clothes on and she goes to Boaz. And I'm leaving out some of the details because I think you've read it. But she goes and she presents herself willing to accept a, a marriage proposal. And guess what? He's all for it. He, he, he's in the game. And he says, yes, yes, th- we can make this happen. However, there's something I need to make sure you're aware of. I'm not the closest relative. There's one who is closer than I am. And he has kind of first right of refusal. So um, Boaz was keen to make this happen. So the next day he goes and he takes care of business. He finds this closest relative and he tells him about Naomi and Ruth's story. And his first response is, yeah, that sounds like a, I've, been, I've been eyeing that piece of property. I think I'd like it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to redeem it. And Boaz says, just want to make sure you know this. It comes with a wife. If, if you buy this property, then you also have to take Ruth as, as your wife. And so then he changes his story. He says, ah, I'm not sure how this would work out for my family. Might be just a little harmful, so I'm going to have to decline. And so with that, what we find is um, Boaz meeting up with all of the, um, uh, the town leaders declaring that he is going to take Ruth as his wife. He's going to redeem the property. And then we find in chapter 4 that they're married. Isn't this an incredible love story? I mean, if you think about it, if you read it and you've looked at all the details, it's just a really great love story. There's so much romance in it. And while that's true, I have to say this. 
Yet it is undeniably so much more. Again, it's Jesus Christ revealed. The scarlet thread is woven through the story. But the story of Ruth is also a picture of God's grace. We see God's grace at work. And so let's talk about that grace for just a few moments. Ruth's story is a picture of God's grace and God's intervention to bring redemption and hope and help in a situation where it seemed like there was no hope. I'll say it again. Boaz does for Ruth what Ruth could not do for herself. And again, Jesus Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. You know, in reality, Ruth's story is our story. You see, Ruth is a picture of humanity, all of us and our need for redemption. Boaz, again, is a picture of Jesus Christ who paid the price to redeem us and bring us into his family. So, Jesus Christ, his place of redemption. We're talking about that place of redemption, the redemption center. His place of redemption was the cross, the grave, and the empty tomb. The price that he paid so that we could be redeemed was the shedding of his blood. That's Jesus Christ in the story of Ruth. What we see in Boaz is a picture of God's grace also. Uh, It's a picture of God's grace that always directs us to a solution. It always directs us to a solution. In Ruth's case, God's grace directed her to a solution that began in Boaz's field. Um, Because Ruth was a Moabite, she was considered to be a pagan, and therefore she was also considered to be outside of covenant relationship with God. Despite the fact that she was pagan, despite the fact that she was outside of covenant relationship with God, we see God at work in her life. Ruth is the perfect example of how God can take a life and change it. God can change lives. Although she was from a pagan background, Once she met the God of Israel, she became a living testimony for him. Um, In fact, by God's grace, she is one of the few women who are found to be in the genealogy, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's grace. That God would take a pagan woman and he would have an encounter with her. She could have an encounter with him so much that her life would be changed and she would be responsible for the uh, uh, part of the seed that would carry on to Jesus Christ. How did God guide you and I to a solution? Uh, Well, not only did God uh, choose us before we chose him, but he he guides us into an encounter with his grace that's the solution for our sin. And that's really the message today, that God has provided a solution through Jesus Christ for our sin. Um, this grace that we see in the story of Ruth, it's a, it's a grace that provides for our needs. 
It's a grace that provides for our needs. The Israelites were commanded to allow those who were poor to glean, to pick up the leftovers in their field. This means that Boaz was required by Israelite law to allow Ruth to come into his field and pick up the leftovers. But here's what's interesting. In his grace, he went above and beyond in providing for her. He was above and beyond. He was generous in his provision. He even directed the reapers, when you're going along and you're gathering the grain, be sure to pull out some of the stalks of grain and purposely leave them behind so that she will have more than enough. God has taken the initiative for you and I to be gracious and generous God, and sometimes maybe we have a hard time believing this, God always meets us at our point of need. You hear that? Whatever your need is, God always meets us at our point of need. Now, the solution that he offers may not be the solution that we had in mind. But that doesn't mean he's not meeting our need, right? God always meets us at our point of need. God is always working for our good. God is always aware. God is always faithful. God is always providing. And not only does he provide, but he provides generously and graciously. This grace that we see in the story of Ruth, uh, it's a grace that redeems us from the past. A grace that redeems us from the past. Um, Ruth's association as a Moabite and a pagan was a black mark against her. Her past was that she was, she was a pagan. She was outside of covenant relationship with God. If you remember in chapter 1, um, early on, uh, we read that um, once Ruth and the daughters-in-law started on their way uh, to Bethlehem, Ruth stops, uh, Naomi stops and she says, you know, girls, you go back. You go back and you, you, go, you go back to your families. I, I can take care of myself, but you go back. One of the theories is that Naomi may have suggested that they go back because for her to go to Bethlehem with two Moabite women as part of her family because they had that black mark against them, it would be a black mark against Naomi. But the very fact that she was a destitute Moabite woman in Bethlehem, needing help, yet taken in by Boaz, is a beautiful picture of God's refusal to hold our past against us. Boaz accepted her for who she was. Listen, every single one of us have a black mark against us, something that's occurred in our past. And typically this black mark is due to poor choices that we've made. And the truth of the matter is we can't go back and undo what we've done, right? Have you ever tried? And how did that work out for you? It, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't work. 
but we can have forgiveness for our past, right? Through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Um, One last thing about this grace. God's grace is a grace that positions us for a greater future. Because Boaz was her place of redemption and for Naomi, their future became much greater than their past troubles, hardships, and adversities. I want to read to you from chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Follow along as I read or listen as I read. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of King David. Now think about this. This Moabite pagan woman, a woman with a past, met Boaz, who became her kinsman redeemer, her husband, and she became the mother of the grandmother of King David. And again, she is one of the only few women found in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's God's grace. That's God's grace at work. So from Ruth's story, we realize that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He is our place of redemption. He sought us out and he redeemed us through his blood so that we could be part of God's family and share in his goodness. So as we close today and we consider the story of Ruth, can you identify a place where you need to see God's grace working in your life? Can you identify a place? Um, Maybe there's a hopeless situation or at least to you the situation seems hopeless. You, you You need someone to step into your crisis and redeem you. And guess what? Jesus Christ has already done it. The price has already been paid. Redemption has already taken place. Um, Or maybe you need to see God's grace because you're looking for a solution to a very real problem in your life right now. God has already provided the solution through His Son, Jesus Christ. And ask Him again, if necessary, to give you the solution to your problem. And through the Holy Spirit, He's going to speak. He's going to reveal that it's through Jesus. But if you listen, He will give you clarity in what the solution to that problem is. Um, Do you need grace in that you need God's provision in some areas of your life? God will always provide and meet you at your every point of need. He may not give you the answer you were expecting But that doesn't mean he didn't provide. He's always aware. He's always working. And he will always generously provide. 
Or do you need to see God's grace because you're struggling with something from your past? Is there something that you've been carrying that happened sometime in the past and, and, and you've even offered it to God and you've asked for God's forgiveness? But somehow you've had problems letting that past thing go. You've been carrying it around on your back. And I want to say, if that's the case, Jesus Christ has redeemed you from your past. You don't have to carry it around. Jesus has already made provision so that that does not have to be a bondage or a stronghold in your life. You are free from it. And today I would say, offer it to God once again. But when you do, let go of your grip and believe that God has forgiven you, God has cleansed you, and God has changed you. And he continues to change you. You don't have to live in the shadow of your past. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. God, I think of the song, There is a Redeemer. We thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you chose us before we chose you. And uh, you have revealed to us uh, the provision of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. We thank you that Jesus is our place of redemption, the cross, the grave, and the empty tomb, his blood that was shed, the purchase price for our sin the forgiveness of our sin. Father God, I pray for anyone here today who is in a hopeless situation. I pray that they would just receive the hope that only you can offer. I pray for those who are looking for a solution to a very real problem in their life. I pray that they would, uh, as they ask, they would listen and hear the voice of your Holy Spirit with great clarity. Um, God, if there's a need for provision... I pray that uh, you would reveal yourself even once again as the generous provider who is always working on our behalf. And Father, if there are those here today who are carrying around uh, like a corpse, something from the past, I pray that they could experience freedom today and finally walk in the release the freedom, the forgiveness that you have provided at the place of redemption. I just pray for a severing of those strongholds, those bondages right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Holy Spirit. And um, if you would just continue to bow your heads, close your eyes. I, I just want to also ask today, is there anyone here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? You've never really experienced the redemption of Jesus Christ where uh, you've offered him your sin in exchange for the righteousness that Jesus Christ provided through his blood on the cross. And so you've been carrying a lot around and you've been separated from God and distant from him uh, with guilt and shame. 
if that's true, that today I want you to know that you can, you can become a new creation just simply by saying, God, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that you died for me and I commit my life to you. Is there anybody here today and you've never done that before and you want to do that today? If so, could you just lift up your hand and let your eyes catch my eyes? Is there anyone here at all today? Anyone at all? Father, once again, I have the privilege of thanking you for a group of people who have gathered who know you, who have experienced redemption through the cross, the grave, the empty tomb, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father God. And I pray that you would help us to continue to walk in that and to grow in that. Father God, we also pray because we know that there are many thousands who do not yet know you. And we'll encounter them when we leave this place in the days to come. I pray that we would be a people who carry the gospel with us and that we, our lives would be an example. And when necessary, we would use words. And I pray that people would be attracted to you through our lives. Give us the ability to speak the truth of the gospel when we need to. And Father God, we ask that you would send people to us on the weekends who don't know you so that we can tell them the story and they can experience new life through you. We thank you because you're going to do that. Father God, I pray blessings over every person in this room that as they go today, they would find your favor in every part of their life uh, as they seek you and have an encounter with you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.